just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope you had a great week going into uh, an eventful, fun, exciting weekend. I hope that for you. You know what I'm going to be doing this weekend? On Friday morning, I'm getting in the car. My wife and I, my brother and sister-in-law, we're driving from Minnesota to West Lafayette, Indiana. We're going to go see the Minnesota Gopher football team play the Purdue Boilermakers in their home stadium in West Lafayette, Indiana. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Well, I'll be honest with you. I love football. I like the Minnesota Gopher football team, but I've never been all that excited about them. You see, the last time they won a national championship was the year I was born. And in those 61 years, we've seen a couple of good seasons here and there, but they've only gone to like second or third tier bowl games. So there's been a lot of mediocrity with the Gopher teams. And it's hard for me to get excited about a team that I've never seen do anything but be mediocre. Now that said, my wife is a huge Minnesota Gopher football fan. Actually, anything Gopher, she's a huge fan. Her family was a group of huge fans for the Gophers. And if she says, you know what, we're going to West Lafayette, Indiana, drive eight hours to watch a football game and then come back, well, God damn it, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I've been married 38 years. I've learned very quickly, do what you're told, nobody gets hurt. And here I am, 61 years old, uninjured. So clearly, I am trainable, <laughs> at least by her. I don't listen to anybody else, but for some reason, she scares me. <laughs> now, she doesn't scare me, not much. But we are going to produce. So the chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, there's an excellent chance that I'm going to be on a roadway or a highway someplace between here and Indiana. Whether I'm going to Purdue or coming back from Purdue, I'm going to be on the roadway. And whatever you're doing as you're listening to the podcast is going to be a lot more fun than what I'm doing sitting in a car waiting to get to whatever destination I'm headed to. So I hope you have a good weekend. I hope the Gophers win. I hope it's a good road trip and all this stuff. But uh, I'd rather be sitting at home. But that's not my call here. Now, a lot of people thought today was going to be pretty eventful. A lot of talk about the infrastructure stuff. Nancy Pelosi was talking about putting up the bipartisan bill for a vote in the House. If it passed the House then it would be the law, and that would be a big deal, a big infrastructure deal. But now, things don't go that easily in the United States these days, so it got to be a bigger mess. And nothing was really accomplished today in terms of voting on a bill. They're going to start talking about it again Friday morning and go into the weekend. But we'll talk about the infrastructure a little bit later in the program. Now, when I do the show, I frequently tell you folks that I want you to participate in the program. 
And you can do that very simply by going to anchor.fm and searching for the Rational Boomer podcast and then leaving a voicemail message. I want to hear what you have to say, whether it be a comment, a question, complaint. I don't care. I just want to hear from you. Or you can always send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Now, the last few days, I've gotten some of both. And uh, I'm excited about three people reaching out to me and want to talk about the uh, podcast or what's going on in the news. So I wanted to bring that to you up front in the Rational Boomer podcast this episode anyway. Now, I got a voicemail message to start things out from a gentleman. He didn't have a question, but he was very supportive, had some kind words. And because I'm all about hyping the Rational Boomer podcast, we're going to run it. So here it goes. Boomer, this is uh, Edwin Rivera. I'm the inventor of the aqua training bag and new technology. I did see Evander Holyfield striking the bag, and it was unfortunate to see him. Uh, lose that fight but listen i just wanted to give you a quick note let you know i really appreciate what you say what you do i love your sassy you man you rock um i'm definitely a fan feel free to reach out anything i can do to help the program bye all right well thank you edwin i appreciate that immensely i always love the support (laughs) and i love how you said i love your sassy I'm a 61-year-old white guy. I've never been called sassy. But, Edwin, somehow when it came out of your mouth, it sounded good. I appreciate that. (laughs) And it's impressive that you invented uh, something that would help the training of boxers. Now, I'm a big boxing fan. I love boxing. I watched boxing in what I thought was the heyday in the 70s and early 80s. I've met a number of well-known boxers. We can talk about that at some later date. Um, because I worked in radio and I interviewed a lot of them, everybody from Muhammad Ali down to Sugar Ray Leonard. But those that era of boxing I really enjoyed and uh, I was a huge fan. I haven't been a huge fan as of lately because, you know, when I see this Logan Paul fight or, or he mentioned Evander Holyfield fighting at 58, to me it's disrespecting the sport. It's making a mockery of the sport and it's hard for me to Listen to that or watch that. I know there's some great fighters out there. They're not as well known or stand out as much as some of the ones I saw in the 70s or 80s. But nonetheless, Edwin, thank you very much. I'm going to look into that uh, that uh, product that you, you invented. Sounds very interesting. And it sounds pretty effective, too. So, Edwin, thank you for listening. I appreciate it very much. All right. We have another voicemail message. And this one is interesting. I'm glad she brought it up. So let's give this one a listen to. Hi, Mike. This is Tina from Kansas. I just wanted to wish you the best on your debate tonight. I hope that's still going to happen. I'm anxious to hear. So good luck. Thank you very much, Tina. I'm glad you brought this up. On a previous podcast, I was talking to you about... um, a debate that I was going to have with a Trumplican. Now, my strategy on TikTok is to not engage with Trumplicans. 
because then they just attack you and try to take down your videos or ban your account. And it's just not worth it to me to argue with them. And the fact of the matter is, it's almost impossible to argue with Trumplicans because they don't work off of facts or truth or logic or anything that makes sense. You could lay out facts in front of them and they can't comprehend it or refuse to comprehend it. So the idea of me debating a Trumplican is kind of going against how I feel now. But uh, when I started talking about politics, it was on Facebook. And um, obviously, I had the same sense of Donald Trump from day one till where we are right now. So I wrote a lot of things. I did some video on a lot of things. And I constantly got Trumplicans coming in and calling names and saying I was wrong. And in all that time, in those four years, I always said, well, look, you're so smart and I'm so dumb. Why don't we debate? And why don't we just do it on Facebook Live? That way you can show me up. You can embarrass me and show me what for. And it's funny, in all those times, dozens of Trumplicans who thought they were so smart, that I was so dumb, that I couldn't understand what they were possibly saying, not one of those people took me up on it. Not one. Some of them would say, well, you're worked in radio. It's not fair. You know how to talk better than anybody else. I said, dude, you just told me I'm stupid, that I don't know anything, and that you're so smart and know everything. Regardless of what I did for a living, you should be able to embarrass me in short order if you did a debate with me. But somehow they didn't feel strongly enough about their argument, and none of them actually ended up debating with me. There are some people that said, oh yeah, I'll be there, and of course they don't show up. And frankly, I didn't mind it so much, because if you get into a debate with these people, it can become a shit show very quickly if you don't handle it properly. And I've learned over the four years how to handle these people. Don't get sucked into yelling and screaming, calling names. Just stay calm and give them facts and keep pounding on them because that's what they don't expect. And it is problematic for them in what they're trying to do in the debate. And if they're talking to somebody who thinks they think can actually speak in full sentences, they're more concerned about wading into that situation. So none of them, none of them ever took the opportunity to debate me. And I always call that a win. If you're not strong enough in how you feel and how you can express yourself, well, then what you have isn't worth shit. And I've told them that, and of course, they don't like it. Well, recently, the thing that Tina's bringing up, had if you hadn't heard the previous podcast, um, I got sucked into something on Facebook. I really hadn't been paying much attention to it at all. And um, somebody posted something ridiculous uh, like a year ago, and I made a comment, and they made a comment. And a year ago, I said, I'd be happy to debate you on it if you want. Then didn't hear a thing. Almost a full year later, somebody comments. And what they say is, well, I guess you don't want to debate now, ha-ha, with all the way things are going. <laughs> I said to myself, fuck that. I'll talk to you. 
So I went back and forth with him a little bit, found out he was stupid, but that's expected because he's a Trumplican. And uh, finally, I said, look, people have offered to debate me for four years, and nobody's ever come through. And, of course, this guy says to me, well, I'll do it. I have no problem. I know what I'm talking about, and you're full of shit. I said, cool. Let's do the debate. Let's do it on Facebook Live. That way all your friends can watch, all my friends can watch, and everybody can see what actually happened. Nobody can fix any tapes or edit or whatever. It'll be live, and we can just lay it out there and see how it turns out. He says, oh, hell yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I said, good, let's do it Thursday at 6, which was this Thursday. And I mentioned it on the podcast, not really being sure what was going to happen. Now, normally I would suspect that, okay, this guy's not going to show up. It's going to be a joke and it's not going to happen. But this guy seemed a little more intent. He maybe was a slight bit more intelligent than some of the other idiots I've talked to. So I thought, I hoped against hope that he would show up. So I'm doing what I do on Thursday. And about 3 o'clock, I get a uh, post on the, uh, actually a comment on the post that we both had been commenting on. He says, uh, dude, I got to uh, I gotta postpone our thing at 6 today because uh, uh, I've got some health issues with my daughter. <laughs> and I wasn't surprised by that. Actually, I got to be honest with you, I kind of fuck with his head a little bit. I knew this guy didn't know who I was or how I talked or anything like that. He probably assumed I was just another dumb libtard. So I wanted to mess with his head a little bit. Show him that he isn't going to be able to get out of me what he expects. So I took one of the videos I did on TikTok on a topic regarding Donald Trump and whatever. And it was pretty straightforward and it was pretty level-headed. I try to keep it that way when I can. And I posted on Facebook. Now I knew he'd look at it. Because now we're new friends, and he's going to talk to me on Thursday, and he's going to debate me. So he's going to try to get some intel on me. I know he watched the video, but when he watched the video, he didn't get what he expected. He found somebody that could actually speak in full sentences, that kind of knew what he was talking about, that had some facts. Now, I don't know if that was the precipitous of him canceling, but he did cancel. He didn't show up at 6 o'clock, but I give him credit. He gave me a three-hour advance notice that he couldn't do it because of a sick kid. Now, I don't know if he has a sick kid. Maybe this is all um, actually happened this way. I don't know. I don't care. And I think a lot of people who were watching this series of comments, this thread, thought I'd give him shit. When he said, I got to postpone it because I've got a a, a problem with health issues with my child, I said, okay, fine. I wish your child the best, and hopefully she'll feel better very soon. And that was it. Now, some of the people on this 
posts that were also commenting were kind of angry because apparently they were looking forward to this debate, especially the people that were friends of mine because they knew I was going to rip this guy to shreds, not by yelling and screaming, just based on facts. So they were a little upset about it, and they were questioning his veracity if he really had a sick kid. And they were kind of mad at me that I wasn't tearing into him. And here's the deal. I don't know if he has a sick kid. And if he does have a sick kid, I sympathize and empathize with him. And I get it. I never expected to do this day, uh, debate in the first place because nobody else has ever shown up. But when they kept trying to encourage me to call him out because now he's not showing up and making up a story, if he in fact is making up a story, I said to him, look, if I was a trump looking I might go to him and say, oh, you're just scared. I knew you'd be chicken. Yeah, I thought so. I said, but I'm not a Trumplican. I'm a guy. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a grandfather. Now, if one of my kids or grandkids was sick, that would take precedence over everything. I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. The fact of the matter is maybe he was scared after he saw the video or he thought about it for a while. Didn't think I'd actually show up because that's what bullies do. They make threats and expect you to fade away. Well, I'm not that kind of guy, especially when I know what I know and I have the confidence to sit in front or next to this guy and talk to him. But I'm not going to yell and scream at him, make fun of him, just because he's got some kind of excuse not to show up. Now, that said, I did tell him this. I said, if you make this date and it comes to be at 6 o'clock when we're supposed to talk and you don't show up, expect me to spend about a half hour making fun of you by name. I promise you. (laughs) And that may be part of the reason why he contacted me three hours in advance, because I would definitely do that. And then I would have railed him. I would have burned him at the stake uh, for not showing up. But at least he gave some lead time. At least he had what seemed to be a legitimate excuse. And I'm not going to tear into the guy for that. Now, his kid can't be sick forever, so we'll see if he decides to reschedule or not. I bet he doesn't. (laughs) So, Tina, thanks for the question. And I'm sorry it took so long to explain this, but I wanted everybody to know and understand what was going on. And no, the debate didn't happen. No, I'm not surprised. And I don't know if he chickened out or he really has an issue with his kid. And if he does, I'm sorry uh, that he has that problem. And I do hope she gets better quickly. Now, I got one other contact from a uh, gentleman um, via email. And he wanted to talk about the infrastructure bills. He had some question about how it's paid for and that sort of thing. And we're getting close to the middle part of the program. So what I'm going to do is take a quick break. And then I'm going to come back, read this letter that he sent to me. And then we'll segue into what's going on with the infrastructure bill at this point. So we will be right back right after this. All right, continuing on. So I got an email from a gentleman by the name of Tom. Seems like a nice guy. Seems to be a fan of the podcast. That's enough for me. I like him. And here's the note he wrote to me. 
I found you on TikTok and enjoy your posts, so I've been listening to your podcast. I'm a bit younger than you, but not all that young. Yeah, I get it. So podcasts are a little new to me as well, but at any rate, I enjoy it. Well, thank you. You're clearly in favor of the two spending bills that are in play, and I agree that there's nothing in them that would be beneficial, that would not be beneficial to the American people. My concern is with the cost, and I'm interested in hearing your take on it. Trump passed or pissed away $7 trillion with nothing to show for it but a broken, divided country. Yes, that's absolutely true. We are saddled with that debt with no plans to ever pay it back, in spite of the fact the Republicans said, oh, yeah, this is paid for. My question is, what's the plan to pay for these new spending bills? President Biden says it will be paid for by the rich, but you and I have been on this earth long enough to know this will never happen. If it was, there would be well-defined tax bills attached to the spending bill. We say that they are spending our money, but that isn't the case. We don't have the money they are spending. It's our debt, which is far worse. The we will figure out how to pay for it later plan is what keeps me awake at night. If there is something in there that makes financial sense, I would be 100% in favor. I apologize for the length of this email, and I appreciate you taking the time to read it. Congratulations on the success of the podcast, and I look forward to listening in the future. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate you tuning into the TikToks and the podcast. I appreciate it very much. You have no idea. But uh, you make some good points there. And here's the thing. I think it's how you look at it. I hear this commentary a lot. Well, we can't afford that. How are we ever going to pay that back? What's going to be done? What are we leaving our kids in terms of debt? I hear that all the time. And that is a rally cry that comes from the Republicans when they're trying to shut down the Democrats. Yes, going in debt to a huge level is not good. But here's what troubles me. When you send $2 trillion to the rich people as a tax break, like the Republicans did, when you spend $2 trillion sitting doing nothing in Afghanistan for 20 years, when you send $740 billion to the Defense Department, which is way more than we need to send, nobody talks about it. Nobody says, how are we going to afford that? Who's going to pay for that? The only time you hear that is when it has to do with money coming back to us. Why is that? Well, it's not you, Tom. This has been ingrained in our minds for decades. The Republicans will always say, oh, we can't afford that. But what they want to spend it on, no problem. Free reign to spend as much money as you want. Now, you're going to probably tell me, no, I didn't get that from the Republicans, and and maybe you didn't. But the fact of the matter is that ideology has been going on in this country forever. The Democrats spend willy-nilly, and the Republicans want to save money, make government smaller. Well, the fact of the matter is when the Republicans had control for the last four and a half or four years, They spent more money than anybody. They added $7 trillion to the debt. How can we afford that? Who's going to pay that back? 
Well, they said it was going to pay for itself, but it doesn't. So we're sitting there with a shitload of debt that has no way to get it paid back. But when the Democrats get it now, oh, we can't afford that. So if you take that ideology, you realize it's not legit. If they felt that way all the way around, it'd be okay. But they only think that way or say those things about one side, the Democratic side. Now, Tom, you tell me that uh, Joe Biden says that the rich are going to pay for it, and you don't think that's true, and you think maybe I believe it's not true. Well, you'd be wrong. The rich will pay some money into this thing one way or another. Now, you said, well, they would have tax bills attached to it. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because it isn't about necessarily passing new tax laws. It's more about taxing or repealing taxes that Donald Trump put in. If you repeal Donald Trump's tax laws, that puts $2 trillion back in our pocket. That's uh, almost two-thirds of what they're asking for in the $3.5 trillion uh, budget request. So, and if they do that and they repeal those tax credits, because they haven't done that as yet, that is money that will directly or indirectly come out of the pockets of the rich people. You know, they thought about this ahead of time. I mean, they're having a tough enough time passing these laws. Do you really think they're going to try to pass new tax laws to collect the money? They don't have to do that because they all they have to do is repeal Trump's tax laws. And when they do that, the money comes back into the system. That $2 trillion that went to the rich will now go into the budget, which allows us to pay for these infrastructure bills. So to suggest that uh, the rich won't pay for it, I think you're wrong there. Now, we can agree to disagree, but it depends on how you look at it. Secondly, there's another way this is going to pay for itself. Now, when the Republicans sent the $2 trillion to the rich people, they said, oh, it's going to pay for itself because, of course, the rich people are going to build more businesses, pay more taxes, pay their people more. They'll pay more taxes. It's the old trickle-down theory, but we know the trickle-down theory doesn't fucking work. It never works from the time that Ronald Reagan instituted it 40 years ago. It's never worked. But like the other thing about, hey, we can't afford it, this is something the Republicans have shoved down the throats of everybody in this country. And for years and decades, people believed, oh, yeah, the trickle-down makes sense. The theory is a good one. Well, it's a good one if it ever worked, and it didn't work. So you look at what's going on here with these infrastructure bills. I mean, ideally, if you have a bill that's costing you a bunch of money, if you can make money with it, too, that's a good thing. I'll put it to you this way. When I was in business brokering deals of whatever kind, I've got somebody who wants X for a product, and I want to sell it to somebody for Y. Now, in the middle of that, somehow i got to make money for myself. So if this person wants $10,000 for his product, I now have to sell it to that guy to 
for $11,000 in order to make my money back. But the other money comes in now. If I complete the deal for the guy who's selling and the guy who's buying, now these guys become regular customers. Now, instead of making just that $1,000, I might do it once a week or once a month or whatever. Creating income is something these infrastructure bills will do. Maybe not directly like you're expecting, but it's going to work like the Republicans said the tax breaks would work, but didn't. Think about this. If you put more money in the pockets of the middle class, what are they going to do? They're going to buy more. They're going to pay more taxes. So this is all coming back to the government by way of taxes, by making more income and buying more products. You're going to have people paying less for um, child care. That frees up a lot more money to go back into the system. There's a lot of ways this will generate money. And the bottom line is whether you're talking about the Defense Department, uh, tax breaks for the rich, they don't do anything for this country. It's just money thrown down a pit. I've said this before. Think about America as an investment portfolio. The most productive part of that portfolio is the middle class. If you feed that middle class, it generates more income. It generates more taxes. So it's naturally going to bring you back money into the governmental system. So you repeal all the tax laws that Donald Trump put in ridiculously. You get $2 trillion back. And then you create the people in the middle class to be more productive, more successful, make more money. That's going to bring more taxes into this country. That's that's what I've always argued about the $15 an hour minimum wage. Everybody says, well, uh, boy, these uh, companies can't afford that. They'll go out of business. Really? Why? You're looking at the short game here. You got to look at the long game. Again, you pay somebody $15 an hour and they were getting 10 what happens? They spend more money. They pay more taxes because they're making more money. So while the money's going out, there's money coming back into the system. And the people who are going to struggle by paying their employees a living wage of $15 an hour, and that's even questionable, they're bitching because it's money out of our pocket. Yeah, but think of this. If everybody's making $15 an hour or more, think about all the people that can now buy the shit you're trying to sell. You're cultivating customers by putting more money in the system. That's what our government will be doing with the infrastructure, and that's what companies do when they pay people $15 an hour as opposed to 7 Everybody's looking at, okay, here's my money right now. i got to hold it close and don't let anybody have it. But what you learn when you've been in business is you put money out there. If I'm dealing with somebody on a deal and now I'm going to make half of my profit that I would have made if I did it myself, half of the profit I would have made if I did it myself, but I bring somebody else in in order to get the deal done, people Thinking short game says, well, I get half the money. That's fucked up. I'm not doing that. I don't look at it like that. I look at it. Now I've got a partner on some deals. 
I can bring him some stuff that he can help me with, but he's going to bring me some stuff that I can help him with. I may have to split the profit, but the more deals I have, the more money I make. And that's how it is with the government. They're cultivating the system. And by sending money to rich people who don't pay taxes, that cultivates nothing. When you send $740 billion to the Defense Department, that cultivates nothing. But if you cut people's health care costs, their child care costs, that creates more activity in the system because there's more money. And the other upside is you make life a little easier for those people in the middle class. We've always been ignored up to now. Nobody wants to make it easy for us, just the rich people. Well, fuck that. So will it pay for itself? Absolutely, I think it will pay for itself, not only, not only in money, but in how this country feels about itself. I don't think there's any question that both these infrastructure bills should pass, and if they do, it will have big effects on this country. One other area where people will make money and things will get back into the system. These infrastructure bills pass, the stock market is going to go crazy. And if the stock market goes crazy, so do your 401ks or your other investments. See, that's the thing. If you cultivate the system and the right people and the strong part of your portfolio, the whole thing's going to grow just like a regular investment portfolio. See, you got to look at it like that. You can't look at the short game. You can't take all this stuff that's been shoved in your head for decades and decades. You got to look at the real effects here and how it's going to affect this country. And those bills are going to affect this country in a very positive way. And if you're worried about getting them paid back, Don't, because they will get paid back. What you should be worried about is, for the last 40 years, all the shit we spent money on that doesn't bring money back. That's where the problem lies. Let me put it to you this way. Do you know what the GDP is? Projected GDP 10 years from now is $300 trillion. This large infrastructure bill is $3.5 trillion. That's like a percent and a half of the GDP. $3.5 trillion sounds like a lot of money to you and I, but compared to the entire system, it's just a small chunk. It's just a small chunk, and that small chunk will have dramatic effects on this country and the people in this country. Isn't that investment worth it? I mean, especially since this will be the biggest investment we've seen in the people in this country since FDR and the New Deal. Why has it taken 75, 80 years to get to this point where we get a taste again? Don't you think it's about time, for Christ's sake? I mean, think about this. If you made $100,000, 1.5% of that is about 1500 bucks. If you could make your family better and stronger, would you pay that 1500 bucks? You better fucking pay it. If you don't, you're stupid. So that's how you got to look at these infrastructure bills. It's not as much money as you think in the big scheme of things. 
and it's going to make things better in this country. It's going to make us more prosperous. It's going to make the stock market better. It's going to make the economy better. And it's going to make families and individuals stronger, happier, and better. And it's about time we got some of that shit back in this country after four years of negativity, divisiveness, and a lot of bullshit. It's time. It needs to be done, and I don't care what anybody says. It's a good thing. It will help us dramatically, and when it gets in and gets through, it will also make it that much easier for Democrats to take 2022 and 2024. we got to get the Republicans out. They are not working for us. They don't care about us. They only care about being obstructionist, and this is the way to do it, along with getting out in droves at the ballot boxes when the election comes due. So the big issue with the infrastructure bill is the $3.5 trillion. You got mansion, you got cinema. They're saying, oh, that's too much money. It should be $1.5 trillion. Well, here's the deal. Manchin is in a tight spot. He's basically in a Republican state and he's a Democrat. So he has to be a conservative Democrat. He knows what he's doing. And he's not necessarily against any of the things in these bills. He says he's for helping the people, health care, child care, all those things. He says he's for those things. So what if you did this? What if it was about the bottom line money of $3.5 trillion? Now, keep in mind, it's not $3.5 trillion for a year or two years. It's for 10 years. 10 years for $3.5 trillion, and for 10 years you get all of these things. And if you haven't read it, I've done a podcast about it. Check that out. There's a lot of shit that is going to help a lot of people and make life easier for the middle class and the low-income people, which is about time that it's done. But the fact of the matter is, There's another way to look at it. Remember what I said? It's how you look at something, how you perceive it. So here's the deal. Ten years, $3.5 trillion. Now, none of the Democrats want to get rid of anything in that bill because it's all good and it's all going to be helpful and it's part of Biden's deal. So how do you cut the price? Cut the price of $3.5 trillion. Cut it down. What do you take out? Who's going to lose in that bill? Well, here's my contention, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up happening this way. So Manchin can look good, and cinema can look good by bringing the price down. What you do, instead of making it a 10-year program, make it a 5-year program. So if you cut it in half, theoretically, that would mean you keep all of the same things in the bill, but you cut it down to five years. And now that total amount, half of $3.5 trillion, is $1.75 trillion. Very close to the $1.5 million or trillion dollars that Manchin wants. You cut it down to five years. Now, Democrats and maybe some of you might say, well, then it's only four years. That's not what we want. That's not what we deserve. We need to get to 10 years. Well, think about this. Think about this very carefully. You're giving people a ton of money, a ton of freedom, 
a ton of breaks that is going to make this country better. If you cut it down to five years as opposed to ten years, what's going to happen when that five-year deadline comes through? When, when we get to that point, what's, what's going to happen? When all these people, the voters of this country, are receiving these things, doing wonders with the stock market, doing wonders for people's lives, what's going to happen? Whether it's Republican or Democrat, how are you going to take that shit away from them once they've had it for five years? You're not going to. If you do, you will get crucified. So cut it by half. Give Manchin what he wants. Cut the years down to five years. See, when these things start happening, you got five years to blow these Republicans out. You're going to get a lot of positive play by doing these services for all these people. You got year one, you got year two, you got year three, you got year four, you got year five. That's a lot of time and a lot of goodwill for people to be happy and vote Democrat and get the fucking Republicans out of here. At least the ones that are doing what they're doing now. So you compromise on the money, you cut the time in half, you go through this five years, Get what you can when you can. And then when that five years is up, it's going to be virtually impossible for a Republican Party to take back all those things that people have been living with that have been so successful for them and the country and the economy. So cut it in half. Cut it to five years. Give Manchin what he wants. Give Cinema what, what she wants. Take it. Don't cut things out of the bill because everything in it is valuable for a lot of people. Keep it just as it is. Just cut the term uh, or the time and get that passed. Once it's passed, then the Democrats have a better opportunity of uh, taking back the Senate in a bigger way, taking back the House in a bigger way, and probably getting a Democratic president in 2024. It's all about perception. It's not about what's real. People are screaming about, how much money is that? Well, in the scheme of things, it's not that much money when you compare it to the GDP. It's not a lot of money to make the middle class healthier and more prosperous, which will make this country healthier and more prosperous. It's a good investment. You give people what they want, but you take what you need. And then when the five years comes up, good luck to the Republicans trying to take this shit back because it won't happen if the Republicans are even in any kind of position to take anything back. Because I honestly believe you pass these two infrastructure bills and it goes the way it will go, it'll be hard-pressed to get any Republican elected to office. People will be doing too well. Life will be easier for them. The economy will run better. Why vote Republican when the Democrats have come through for them on this situation? So I think the deal will get done. I don't think question the deal will get done. Nancy Pelosi is a master deal maker. She's very savvy. You can like her or not like her, but she's very savvy. She gets things done. Joe Biden spent 40 years in the Senate. He knows how to get things done, and he will. They didn't get it done on Thursday. But there was no time to get it done on Thursday. So they're going to start on Friday. They'll probably go through the weekend. Maybe they'll go into next week. But one way or another, they will get it done. And if they say, well, we're only going to get 
$1.75 trillion. Don't say, well, they cut it in half. Look at it this way. See what the term is. Now, if it's still over 10 years, then that's more of a problem. Now you've got to cut line items out of the bill. But if they cut the term and cut the price and maintain what they're looking for, that should keep everybody happy. And if these Democrats have enough foresight, they will see what I just told you. Do this for five years. Enjoy the success. Make people feel better. Make the economy better. There's no way anybody is going to take that away from them in five years. So for once, maybe the Democrats can game the, game the Republicans like they've been doing to the Democrats for years. Something to think about. I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but we'll find out soon enough. They've got to do something fairly quickly. Otherwise, Joe Biden and his administration are going to take a beating. They need that bipartisan bill passed, but in order to get that passed, they're going to need to pass the bigger bill. There's a lot of angles to this, so let's watch and see what they do and keep our fingers crossed, because if we can get both infrastructure bills done, it's going to work wonders for this country and for the Democrats. All right, I'm going to get going. I'll be back again soon. I probably won't be back tomorrow because I'll be on the fucking road. (laughs) But uh, I'll be back Saturday night, so uh, maybe I'll do one Saturday, and we'll see where we're at on Saturday night, of course, Sunday and into the next week. You have a great weekend, and uh, I will be talking to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.